The scripture this morning is out of Hebrews in the fourth chapter, 12 through 16. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And before him no creature is hidden, but all are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we have not a high, for we have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one in, who in every aspect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The word of God for the people of God. I want you all to think of a time in your life, specifically childhood or in your teen years, maybe even into early adulthood. Think about a time when you did something and your first thought was, how am I going to explain this to mom and dad? It's kind of a funny and kind of a scary thing to think back on those times when we were complete screw-ups times when we thought for sure our folks were never again going to let us see the light of day, times when we had to sit and wait for them to figure out what our punishment was going to be, the minutes or the hours of stewing until the other parent got home and found out what we had done. It gives me chills just thinking back to it. Often my folks knew what I had done before I was even able to come clean about it myself because we lived in a small town and everyone knew I was the preacher's daughter. The scripture today out of Hebrews gives us a glimpse of how it might be when we have to stand before God and explain just exactly how we manage to get ourselves into some of the messes we get ourselves into, especially when it's already known before we've gotten home to come clean about it. The title of Hebrews comes from the apparent audience of the sermon. Although the Hebrews are not specifically named, the fact that this book is heavy with Jewish scripture and ritual suggests that is exactly who the sermon was written for. Remember at this time, even within the few years after Jesus died, people were still steadfast in their Jewish faith and traditions. Christianity as we know it was still in its infancy, and most of the people who practiced Christianity were Jewish in faith and in culture, but they had started to integrate Christ's teachings into their lives. There is a long list of possible authors for this sermon. For years, it was thought to be another epistle of Paul's. Early Christian theologians believed that it could have been written by the same author of Luke and Acts. Yet others still believe that it could have been Apollos or Priscilla during their ministry. The sermon's date is also fairly uncertain. The traditions and events named in the book suggest it was written between the late 60s and the mid-90s. History tells us that it was a very difficult time to be a Christian then. 
right in the middle of the time frame that this sermon was written, the second temple was destroyed in Jerusalem during the Jewish revolt by the Romans. Christians were being persecuted violently, and thus many people had lost their faith or renounced it entirely. The sermon was written to encourage those who were suffering and experiencing hardships through this time. It was written so that the people could be able to go on through life with confidence and faith. In this pericope, the author of Hebrews describes the word of God in a couple of ways. The first, it is like a double-edged sword. And although I often think of a double-edged sword as this huge, mighty weapon used in battle, the point here is that it's more like a surgical scalpel. A scalpel is a precision instrument. It is able to cut fine lines and closely along bones and tendons. It is sharp. And like that, the word of God can cut through to the center of our soul and our spirit. It can find its way into our thoughts and our intentions. The other way that the word of God is described is that it is living and it is active. What that means is that although we have the words of God in front of us in our Bibles, these are not the only words God has for us. God did not stop speaking to us 2,000 years ago, which is when many of the youngest books in the canon were written. God gave us guidelines to get us started, and reminder after reminder that we need to open our hearts and our minds to the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The word of God is living and active like a stream over a bed of rocks. The stream continues to flow over the rocks, smoothing them out and carving a greater path, deeper and wider than it has ever known. God's word runs over us, creating a deeper and wider connection and understanding of God than we have ever known. When we listen to the words of God, we are smoothed over. Our rough edges are shaped and smoothed. Through the word of God, the lessons of Jesus Christ, and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we can be used for many purposes, just like the rocks plucked from the riverbed and used for building, smooth, sturdy, and shaped in ways that show the beauty of God's work. Most of us walk through our lives hidden, Just like the internal workings of our minds and bodies are hidden by skin, we have set up coverings to protect our thoughts, our intentions, and our emotions. Most of us conduct ourselves in such a way that we do not share everything we are thinking or feeling. We build up a trust with people because revealing some of our past and our worries leaves us feeling vulnerable. Other times, we need to work on filters because... Not everything we thought we think needs to be said. When I was little, my mother often said to me, Do you need to say everything that crosses your mind? <laughs> Apparently, I can be a jabberbox. Weird, I know. We, are also, we also conduct ourselves differently based on who we are with. Our comfort level changes based on the situation. Our coverings become thicker or thinner based on who we are around or who may be listening. Who we are with in, in one group is not necessarily, excuse me, who we are with one group is not necessarily who we are with another. 
Given my history and given my proclivities, honestly, I prefer to listen quietly in the corner like a creeper. I promise you, I no longer say everything that crosses my mind, and that is a wonderful blessing to us all. When it comes to our relationship with God, honestly, whether someone has one or not, nothing is hidden. Nothing that we think or feel or do is ever hidden from God. My grandfather never really had much to say to me, but I remember him saying once that you should never do anything in private that you wouldn't want people to know about in public, meaning that if you were ashamed of it, then you shouldn't be doing it at all. It's, a very, sim- it's very similar to our relationship with God, except God sees it and God knows it. So what we have to ask ourselves is how we will justify ourselves to God when we are asked about our behavior when the time comes. How will we justify what we've done against, excuse me, done throughout our lives? Will we be able to look God in the eye and truly say it was the best thing to do at the time? It is what I felt the Holy Spirit called me to do. Will we be able to to not only take responsibility for what we have done, but to have true repentance for our actions? Will we be able to say to God, I know I should not have done that, but I did, and given a chance to do it over, I would not repeat my mistakes. I know that I hurt others, and I wish I could take it back. When it comes to our relationship with God, we stand naked before him, and there is nothing that is hidden, absolutely nothing. Now, at this point, there may be some of you that are getting a little nervous, and that makes sense. There are certainly things in my past that I wish I could take back. There are things that I'm still holding on to that, have not, that I have not forgiven myself for. But there is good news for all of us, and that is Jesus Christ. And we are not without a high priest that is not able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus Christ was put through many tests, just like we are in our daily lives. He was on this earth and lived a human life for 33 years. And even before his ministry began around the age of 30, logic would tell us that he no doubt faced a lot of the same challenges that we face. The challenges of doing right rather than wrong. The challenge of looking out for number one or keeping a lookout for those who may need help. It is interesting to think about Jesus before he became the Jesus we knew him to be. Before he started his ministry, before he was able to come to full terms with who he was. Jesus had the challenge of living a Christ-like life without the model of Christ to help him. I imagine it is something like being the oldest kid. You have to test the waters with mom and dad. You get in trouble faster and more often than your younger siblings. We have the advantage of seeing a life that we are supposed to emulate and live up to. We are the younger siblings of Jesus Christ, our brother, our Lord, and Savior. Please do not misunderstand that I am comparing my older brother to Christ because, wow, he is not. But I cannot count the times that I sat back and watched as he attempted to get away with something. I was able to figure out through his trailblazing how best not to get caught. 
We younger sisters can be sneaky. (laughs) But there were times when he had my back, when I couldn't quite keep myself out of trouble. My mother tells a story about when I was pretty little and I broke a lamp. I couldn't have been more than three, which would have put Brad around four. She was moving in to spank me, and he said, Oh, please don't spank her, Mom. She's just a little girl. She didn't mean to do it. We have Jesus Christ to show us the way to the kingdom of God. We have Jesus Christ on our side when we are before God and asked to justify ourselves. Jesus knows what it's like to be human. We need Jesus Christ in our lives because there is not one single human being that is on this earth that is not in need of the saving grace and mercy of this high priest. No one is without sin. Although I did spend a lot of time watching my older brother and his friends make some mistakes, it did not keep me from making a fair few on my own. What was worse is that a lot of our mistakes were exactly the same, so clearly I was not paying close enough attention. And a lot of those mistakes we made together, which I'm not sure is as comforting as it sounds. Surely one of us should have had been able to talk the other one out of making such ridiculous decisions. I won't elaborate because I don't want to give the teenagers any ideas. I'm on it. The fear of having to explain things to my parents is still around. I'm nearly 36 years old. I'm married and well into being responsible for myself. But sometimes I still have a twinge of nausea when I have to make a call and explain the most recent pickle I've found myself in and wait for the beratement. Of course, now they usually just laugh at me and say, well, that was dumb. God is the parent that knows what we have done before we're even able to explain it. God sees everything and is able, through the living word and the Holy Spirit, to get to the core of us, to our soul, better than even we can. We come to God naked, and we need to be ready to make a full account for the things that we have done. Thankfully, we have Jesus Christ, our brother, our Savior, to extend mercy and grace as we fumble our way through our explanations. Amen.